Someone asked me yesterday why Father Carney wears his beretta when he preaches, but you don't. So I'm wearing my beretta. They, they seem to like the fact that he wore his beretta. Uh, so I'm going to do it. There are some people who don't like all this, the trappings of vestments and solemnity, which is why I haven't done it up to now. I don't want to upset people. But it is a tradition, so, so there we go. Anyway, so Lent has begun. I hope it's going well for you. And it was wonderful to see so many at Mass on Ash Wednesday evening. Um, and uh, I know a number of you participated in the mission. I think it was providential that Father Carney was available during that week of Ash Wednesday because it was a good transition from pre-Lent through Ash Wednesday in, into Lent. Over, over the last couple of weeks, I don't know about you, but I've seen some beautiful rainbows over Cottage Grove. Um, and uh, it's been quite striking, the full arc um, over the town. And it would move as you, as, you know, I moved with it. But, you know, what does, what does a rainbow really mean? What does a rainbow mean to you? What does the rainbow mean to the world? Hasn't it been commandeered by those whom Father Carney called revolutionary men? Simply echoing, quoting uh, Sister Mary of St. Peter, in the 18, who said in the 1840s, our Lord communicated to me that this time he would use as the instruments of chastisement, not the elements, which we flood, earthquake, and war, but the malice of revolutionary men. These revolutionary men are the people who have been sent to destroy the church from within and to turn men's hearts away from God and towards human ideologies, but I would say even inhuman and unnatural and irrational uh, ideologies, false ideologies. So what does the rainbow mean to the world? What God made a, made a sign of a covenant with Noah that he would never again strike down every living creature, these revolutionary men have made a sign of a sin crying out to heaven for vengeance, namely homosexual relations. And that sign now embraces every perversion or disorder imaginable and even unimaginable. There's probably more to come that you and I can't conceive of yet. What was the cause of the flood? It was the perversion of marriage. Just read the sixth chapter of the book of Genesis. When men began to multiply on the face of the earth, of the land, and daughters were born to them, the sons of God, by which the sacred author means men, saw that the daughters of man were attractive, and they took as their wives any they chose, as many as they wanted. Polygamy, an offense against Almighty God, wickedness. For the author, sacred author goes on, the law saw that the wickedness of man was great upon the earth, and that every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And the Lord regretted that he had made man on the earth, and it grieved him to his heart. 
So the Lord said, I will blot out man whom I have created from the face of the earth, for I am sorry that I have made them. But Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. And then the, the account goes on with the Lord instructing Noah to build the ark and to take his sons there and the, their, their wives and, and all the animals into the ark. We read about the rainbow this morning. The rainbow is a sign of God's covenant with Noah never to destroy his creation. It is a reminder of God's fidelity to us. Every time we see the rainbow, we should thank God for his faithfulness to us. As God providentially secured the lives of Noah and his family and the animals who were in the ark, so he remains with and faithfully provides for all his sons and daughters gathered in the ark of the one holy Catholic and apostolic church. St. Peter in the second reading today speaks about those who do not believe and did not get into the ark and those who did believe and were in the ark. It is the one holy Catholic and apostolic church that that ark represents. St. Peter tells us today that the event of Noah's ark and the flood prefigured baptism, the sacrament that catechumens, one of whom we have here, Rene, will receive at Easter, the sacrament by which consciences are washed clean and which, by which entry into heaven, through entry into the church, is made possible. It was after his baptism in the Jordan that the same Holy Spirit that descended upon Jesus at that baptism drove him out into the desert, where he remained for 40 days, just as the ark floated upon the floodwaters for 40 days. And he was tempted by the devil. For all of us, this Lent should be a time of entering into a desert, a time of increased prayer, a time of greater reliance upon God. You know, if you go into the desert, you'll probably very soon lose your soul service, right? That we've got to do that ourselves, somehow disconnect ourselves from all those things that actually disconnect ourselves, disconnect us from God and one another. Get untangled from that web. Maybe reduce the amount of entertainment we rely on through electronic media. Find times of silence. Get used to stillness. In our church, we have no flowers. The altar is bare. It represents a bit of a desert time. There's reduced instrumental music. The instrumental music is only there as is necessary to sustain the singing. When the singing stops, the instruments stop. And we endure and are grateful for silence and stillness. In your homes, in our homes perhaps, that sense of desert might be reflected. So about you, I mean, I do have alcohol in my house. I put it out of sight, okay? Desert. All right? Not for Lent. Or you might put the candy out of sight. You know, you create something in your home which creates a sense of this is a Lenten season, a desert, all right? There's something that you normally enjoy that you're not enjoying, all right, that you're going to go without. And thus we come face to face with our weaknesses because, you know, when we realize what we've given up, maybe you're not, you've decided, I'm not going to snack between meals 
Oh, well, you know, halfway between that time, your tummy reminds you, oh, you normally have a snack now. And you've got to say, no, I'm not going to have that snack, okay? But you realize you're weak there. You become dependent on something that you shouldn't be dependent on. Or in the evening, maybe you decide, you know, I want to read a, a chapter of the Bible, the Gospel, instead of watching some movie or checking YouTube or whatever it is, you know? Um, and going to bed on time. Whatever it is you've decided to do, but you'll come up against your weaknesses because you'll be challenged. You'll be tempted not to go, not to fulfill those resolutions. And it's those who go into the desert of striving to progress in their life of prayer and virtue, they are the ones who, like our Lord, will be tempted. If you're going to go into the desert this Lent, you will be tempted. If you are taking your spiritual life seriously, you are a quote-unquote person of interest to the devil. Those who don't go into the desert will likely not experience this temptation. Those who don't decide to move forward in their spiritual lives this Lent will not experience temptation. Because the devil doesn't care... He's, he doesn't, he's not worried about them. He's, they're no threat to his kingdom. You and I, who will take our spiritual life seriously, are a threat to his kingdom. And so he's going to be interested in us. He'll tell you not to be so strict. Don't be so hard on yourself. When you fail, he'll tell you, you see, you're no good. You should give it up. That resolution you made was, 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 was unrealistic. He'll tell you all sorts of lies about yourself, that you're not worthy. Who are you to think that you could be a saint? He'll attack you in new ways that you've not experienced. He'll put vile thoughts into your head of all, of all kinds. And you shouldn't be surprised. Don't go thinking that you have sinned because these things happen to you. It's because he's interested in you. And he wants, you to, he wants to divert you from this path of holiness that you have decided to undertake in a new way in this time of Lent. You just need to recognize those things as coming from the deceiver and allow the angels to minister to you, to you as they ministered to Jesus. And maybe to remind yourself of the word of God in other accounts of the temptations of the desert, we hear our Lord telling the evil one in very short terms, um, man does not live on bread alone. You shall worship the Lord your God, and him alone shall you serve. You shall not put the Lord to the test. No dialogue. Don't dialogue. Just call to mind a word of God, a prayer, a word of the Psalms. The Lord is my refuge and my strength. You know, whatever it is that comes to mind. And continue on your way. And count on the truth that was announced when you were baptized, which will be announced when Rene is baptized at the Easter Vigil, God willing, when you were baptized, the Holy Spirit descended upon you as he descended upon Jesus. And the heavens opened and the, 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 the voice of the Father was heard announcing, you are my beloved son or daughter in whom I am well pleased. Don't believe what the devil, devil is trying to tell you. Believe what was announced when you were baptized and announce it again. I want to invite you, particularly during this Lenten season, to consider the Stations of the Cross 
on Friday evenings. Do you think we could have a packed church on Friday evenings? It'd be marvelous if all of you here, if this church was full now, like it was on Ash Wednesday evening, if it could be like this on Friday evening when we gather to celebrate the Stations of the Cross. Now, everyone will have a reason why they can't make it. I could ask every one of you, and you could probably all come up with a reason. There's something wrong if that's the case, if everybody here will have a reason why they can't come. The elderly will have a reason because it's dark and maybe they can't drive at night. Okay, I get it. The sick will have a reason and, yeah, of course, they can't come. But what else is there? You know, everybody seems to have a reason. And I, th I, want, I invite every single one of you to examine yourselves. Do I have a reason why I can't come? Maybe there's something on Friday evening I need to cancel. I'm not going to entertain on Friday evenings. For goodness sake, it's a day of penance. All right? We're going to come to Stations of the Cross. As a family, it would be great to have families here at Stations of the Cross. I dare to stand on my position as pastor and call you my, my flock. I call you to Stations of the Cross on Friday evening. If today you hear the voice of God, listen to him, Psalm 95. I don't claim to be God, but I dare to stand and call you in the name of Christ. Come and join us for the Stations of the Cross on Friday evening. Let's make this the best Lent as a parish, you know. Embrace the inconvenience. You're going to be tired the next day. Embrace it. Practice being patient the next day in spite of the fact that you're, you're, you're a bit tired, okay? These are the things uh, to, that we, we accept in, in response to the proclamation of the gospel of God by our Lord Jesus as we heard him today at the end of the gospel that we just read. This is the time of fulfillment, which we could interpret. This is going to be the, a great length for you, for me, for this parish. If you and I heed those last words of the gospel today from our Lord himself, the lips of our Lord himself, repent and believe in the gospel.